Casablanca. Jackie Gleason in Casablanca. You're getting on that plane with Vic Laszlo? Oh, you're getting on that plane, all right? And I know that you know that I know that you're getting on that plane. And now, words newscasters coyly refuse to say. George was popping the tequilas. Next thing you know, uh, the A word is flying. The A word. The B word is out there. The B word. He called her the C word. The C word. The D word. The E word. Uh, excommunicated. The F word. The G word. I want to see a president that doesn't just say the H word. The I word. The J word. The K word. The L word. The M word. The N word. The N word. The N word. As in N word mountain. The O word. The P word. The Q word. Now we're talking about the R word. The R word. The S word. The T word. It's the old U word. What's the V word? Visibility. The W word. All words that start with X. The Y word. The so-called Z word. No, I'm just getting warmed up. Happy to see you again. Don't be nervous. Don't be rocky. You're a teenage guest is jockey now. And let me begin by wishing you a beautiful look. Did that voice inside you say, I've heard it all before. It's like deja vu all over again. Monday, May 22nd, 2023. How are you doing, kids? You are at jconthelinecom Power did not go out at our house yesterday, but the air conditioning did. Took us a couple hours, got it back running. I was crawling up around <laughs> in the attic, and it's only about 117 up there, so it's okay. That's what water is for. So I got the thing running again. Now, my daughter goes off to school about two, three hours ago, and we just got a message from her, there's no power at the school. This is a dream come true for a middle school kid, right? It's almost like when you see them wheeling the TV into the classroom when we were kids. Well, either the TV or that giant ridiculous projector. And then sometimes they had the slides, the slides, and the nuns who... You know, I think your hearing is impaired when you're wearing one of those giant headdress things that our nuns wore, the Sisters of Nazareth. And what I did is I figured out how to perfectly replicate the sound of the little beeper tone that told you when to change slides. So the nun, you know, would be standing there, she would start the slideshow, and then at the end of the first slide, it would go, well, I learned to make that sound. (laughs) I'm such a juvenile delinquent. And so now the nun is like seven slides off because I'm like, and she changes the thing and it's not corresponding to anything. Nothing is making sense. We're rolling around laughing because obviously everybody in class knows what I'm doing. And that's when somebody approached me and said, have you thought about a career in radio? Speaking of radio, it's going very, very well at the new K-Wolf, Rocket Americana, 101.5 in the city, 101.7 out west. And it's very simple. If you're in St. Peter's, St. Charles, somewhere in there, you're listening at 101.7 because then you're closer to that tower. But if you're in the city or in St. Louis County or South County, North County, Metro East, you want to go to 101.5 because we just put up the new tower in the heart of St. Louis, and that's where you hear that. Now, this smart speaker thing 
is supposed to be set up. They thought it would be set up by Friday. It's not yet. Probably these guys don't work on the weekends. And so, you know, like, yeah, we'll get to it Monday. So in the meantime, tell me what you think. You know, it's uh, kwolf.com, k-wolf.com, spelled W-U-L-F. And, uh, you know, be curious to see. It's rock and Americana. Some of the rock and Americana stuff is fantastic. I mean, the the, the Americana stuff. This uh, Jason Isbell guy, talking a big star here, a big star. The other day, I played a song by Taylor Momsen's band. What the hell is the name of her band? The Pretty Reckless. The Pretty Reckless. Now, let me tell you this story, because it's got a strong St. Louis connection. When my daughters were in grammar school, they went to school in U-City, a place called Our Lady of Lords, just a little bit to the east of Clayton, and uh, it was a nice school. You know, for whatever reason, the decision was made to educate our first two daughters in Catholic school. Uniforms, the works. All of the uh, Catholic moms, by the way, used to listen to the show. They used to listen to the entertainment report because they loved, They lo- and I know this because they approached me about it, like at school picnics, they loved when we used to do the porn star birthdays. Now, not so much that we would say, you know, Ginger Lynn is 55, but we would read off the list of movies that she'd been in. You know, like On Golden, I don't know if these, these were just some of the titles, On Golden Blonde. One of my favorites, Shaving Ryan's Privates. And these, uh, you know, women in their 30s and 40s thought this was a fucking riot. And they would come up to me and talk to me about it all the time. And boy, did those moms and dads put away the liquor. The school picnics were amazing. I don't drink that much when I'm out in public. I drink at home late at night sobbing over my glass of wine but when i'm out you know because the last thing i need is a dui i mean almost everybody who's on radio and tv in st louis has had a dui except me i feel so left out so i don't drink i I just don't do a lot of drinking in public you know one beer one glass of wine whatever that's it but i don't know how those people were getting home after those school picnics because i'm not really sure i want (laughs) to would have wanted to be on the road when that picnic let out. But anyhow, I digress. There was a little girl who was in my daughter's class at the time by the name of Taylor Momsen. Taylor Momsen was also an actress. And by by the way, it was her mom. Her mom and her dad were both really, really good looking people. So somehow she becomes, uh, she comes to the attention of Ron Howard. And Ron Howard says, uh, you know, we need a uh, Cindy Lou Who and uh, how would you like the job? And so she gets the job opposite Jim Carrey in the Grinch movie. She finishes that movie, but then she comes, you know, she comes back home to St. Louis and goes back to school. And after school, sometimes she would come over and play at the house. And of course, graduation and the kids scatter in all different directions, and we sort of lost track of her until she started showing up on the internet with a uh, punk rock. Was it punk rock? Hard rock? I don't know. I mentioned punk rock once and people took issue with it. But all I know is is the stuff that's really, really loud. And the people on stage are very, very unkempt looking and their hair is going off in a hundred different directions and their makeup is running down their face and they're sweaty and there's a mosh pit out in front of the stage. And, you know, so that, whatever that is, that's what she was doing. And then it was like, all right, if we're going to do this, let's do it right. So the one, the next shot, I said she was standing there without a shirt on, no visible means of support, and some black electrical tape in an X right over the areas that we would like to see. Now, when I say we, that is the collective we 
not really me because all I remember her is this little girl. In fact, that dirty old man even thinking about any of this. So I just looked away and then I lost track of her again. I'm watching the Grammys a couple of months ago. And, you know, not everybody gets to perform on the Grammys. You might get to introduce somebody. You might get a shot in the crowd. You sitting there in a nice tuxedo or something. But all of a sudden, they're like, "Uh, here's the pretty reckless. And and she comes out, and she's playing with her band. I'm like, that's Cindy Lou Who. That was the little girl in my basement playing with Legos. So anyhow, maybe that whole ridiculous phase of her life and her career is uh, coming to a close. And now she's just doing music, and it's not bad. It just feels so strange to be playing her music on a radio station that I'm working on. But that's that's the way it goes. But this uh, this Americana stuff, it's a lot of really, anybody you knows Chris Stapleton, and that falls in line with that too. And to some extent, Sheryl Crow. So you put all that in with the Beatles and the Stones and Bad Company and Genesis and all that stuff. Got a pretty damn good sounding radio station right there. And again, if you're in St. Louis County, 101.5. If you go west, you're at 101.7. And if you're still having reception issues, k-wolf.com. You can listen online. Like I said, eventually we're going to get this streaming thing set up, and then you'll be able to listen on your smart speaker too. should also point out that if I sound a little bit hoarse doing the podcast the last couple of days, there's a couple of different things going on. Number one, I'm really tired. And I'm tired because I'm having to get up two hours earlier than I've been getting up for the last year or so. So that's working in my disfavor. Also, they're they're trying to do a hip replacement surgery on me, and I won't let them do it because I'm I'm having too much fun playing baseball right now. The only problem is I can't move. It's not really related to the baseball. It's it's just my my hip is falling apart. They're like, you're gonna have to have it replaced. I go, I'll tell you when I want it replaced. In the meantime, stick that needle in there and give me another cortisone shot. So that's what they've been doing. So that's steroids basically. Plus, I'm taking medication on top of that, and that is a tendency to thin out your voice. And then number three, that's a lot of talking. By by the time I start. Doing the podcast, my voice is already shot because I've been talking for four and a half hours over on the radio station. Oh, whoa, is me. I've never watched golf on television unless Tiger was out there. And, you know, first of all, there's usually a baseball game on. So I'm watching that or maybe a movie or on weekends to try to catch up on the shows that I missed during the week. You go to the DVR and you start playing around with that. And I just never really got the idea of sitting there watching golf on TV. Well, I don't know. Maybe something changed. Maybe I'm changing. I don't know. But I've been watching quite a bit more of golf on TV. And how about this guy yesterday? Okay. So it's a PGA championship up in, uh, was it New York state? I want to say Rochester, maybe. And there's this, uh, there's this guy, he's 46 years old. He's the club pro. He teaches people how to play golf at a public course in California. And, uh, I guess he's pretty good. So they're like, well, I mean, you can try to qualify if you want to. So he attempts to qualify. And with the aid of a hole in one, Somehow he finishes 15th and walks away yesterday with a check for $288,000. Now he's got to turn back around and, and go back to teaching Aunt Millie from Seattle how to properly hold a club. It's like when Jay Randolph, Jay Randolph Sr., came out to, to do this thing once we were doing a live broadcast. And he's like, all right, get up here. Let's see. I, mean, I want to see what you'll look like. And so 
you become very self-conscious. Obviously, Jay Randolph has been studying golf his entire life and broadcasting golf on NBC. I mean, the guy is a whiz when it comes to this stuff. And I just grab the club and I walk up to the ball and he's like, no, 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 no. I'm like, I haven't even done anything yet. He says, look at that grip. And then he delivers one of the best lines I've ever heard in a live broadcast. He says, it looks like you're trying to jack off a sack full of raccoons. Then I started thinking about the practical application of his statement. Could that, in fact, be done? I came away with the answer, no. But anyhow, old Jaybird. <laughs> when I used to do a lot more traveling and Jay still worked at Channel 5, he was still there for a couple of years when I was at Channel 5 back in the 80s, and I would say, hey, I'm going to Toronto, and I haven't been to Toronto in quite a few years when I worked in Buffalo used to zip across there but I never had any money so I couldn't eat any place good or anything like that. I was like hey, I got a little money in my pocket send me someplace so he said oh no you got you got the place in Toronto it's called still remember this Lee Chi Gardens Lee Chi Gardens go there well it's a Chinese restaurant and it served these giant terrines of Chinese food. But then the interesting part of the whole thing, instead of, you know, you go to a Chinese restaurant, you hear the sort of like, what is it called? Kabuki music or something? It's Chinese music. Not at this place. This place, they had a guy singing Frank Sinatra songs at a Chinese restaurant. Sure was good, though. Sure was good. Anyhow, Brooks Kepko wins the PGA Championship yesterday. And I don't know what to say about the Cardinals. I'm not, I, you never know from day to day what team you're going to see, but that horrible losing streak seems to be in their rearview mirror because look at this. I mean, the last couple of games, 15 runs, 16 runs, 10 runs yesterday. Paul DeYoung, who everybody was ready to throw dirt on, shows up with another three-run shot yesterday. You know, there's an old saying that people use sometimes, and it's sort of like something about hell has no wrath like a woman scorned, something like that. Hell hath no fury like a woman scorned. That's probably more accurate. Hell hath no fury like a woman scorned, which basically means don't fuck with a pissed off woman. But the, there's a second half of that that almost never gets used because the second half is, or a man with something to prove. Hell hath no fury like a woman scorned, or a man with something to prove. Is that what we're seeing with Paul DeYoung? He had to have heard all the chirping and all of the criticism, and he could look at his own numbers and see that he wasn't getting it done. Now he's getting it done, and it's fun to watch, too. I like stories like that. Redbirds begin a four-game series tonight in Cincinnati, and then it's off to Cleveland weekend series there. Uh, weather in Cincinnati this week is supposed to be absolutely perfect. Uh, we're not in last place anymore. We have jumped up from last place to third, only five games behind Milwaukee. And if Pittsburgh loses two games and we win one or two, we'll be in uh, second place right behind Milwaukee, jumping from last place to second in the course of just four or five days. How about that? Carpe diem you. There was a time when I was pretty sure I was on my way to becoming a national celebrity. And if your reaction to that is, don't laugh. Don't laugh because I almost took a job in Los Angeles back in 1985, I think it was, 85 or 86. And the guys came in from L.A. and they were ready to hire me on the spot, but they offered me the exact amount of money that I was making in St. Louis. And I'm like, well, my money 
It's got to go about as about a third as far in Los Angeles. That's not a deal. Up the money, and then we can talk. They didn't up the money. They got back on the plane and went back to Los Angeles and ended up hiring this team by the name of Mark and Brian. And Mark and Brian became national celebrities. And that's the thing about Los Angeles radio. Everybody who's on the air there has also got a side hustle somewhere. Everybody's trying to sell scripts or they're working as the announcer for a game show or writing questions for love connection. All that sort of show business shit. That's all that goes on out there. So I remember telling John Hewlett once we, we decided to take the NBC tour. We were, out, <laughs> we were out in Los Angeles and we decided to take the NBC tour. And as we're leaving the big NBC complex, I said to John, well, you know, Someday might be walking in here with a name tag on. And he just sort of looked at me like, and he said, what do you mean? And I'm like, eh, I don't want to go into it right now. John thought I was crazy that day because he thought I was going to be working in Los Angeles at NBC. Little did he know I'd had the job offer. That wasn't the only one I had. But anyhow, the, the only reason I'm bringing that up is not to show up. I'm bringing it up because it was right about that time that I became cured of being a national celebrity. Because I started thinking about it. You know, even now, I go on vacation somewhere, and I'll wear a Cardinal baseball hat. I'm at the pool, and somebody will walk by and say, oh, you're from Missouri? Yeah. Where? Oh, Chesterfield. Whatever. Oh, I, I know where that is. I live in the area. And then you start talking, and then eventually they're like, your voice sounds familiar. What's your name? And I always say, Trish Gazelle. And they laugh, and then I stick out my hand. I shake their hand. Hi, I'm JC. I knew it. I knew it. Well, can you imagine being a worldwide or national celebrity and there's no place you can go where that doesn't happen? You, you know, you need a quart of milk and a dozen eggs. You run down to 7-Eleven and it takes you two hours because people want autographs. And, you know, don't get me wrong. I think it's wonderful to be popular. Everybody wants to be popular on some level, but I'm not sure I want to be popular like that to that extent where there's no place you can go to hide. And Owen Wilson found out about it the hard way. Now, he has my undying admiration because he nailed Cheryl Crow. Although the more I watch her, I'm wondering if she may have nailed him. But that's neither here nor there. Anyhow, uh, Owen Wilson's assistant comes to the house, you know, water the plants, feed the cats, whatever. Owen Wilson's on the road doing something. And the assistant walks in and there's a homeless guy walking around the house wearing Owen Wilson's pajamas. Now, tell the truth. Tell the truth. If that had happened to you, would you be would you ever be able to wear those pajamas again? Put them in the washing machine twice, bleach them, do whatever. I don't ever want to get in those pajamas again. I'm sorry. So anyhow, the assistant scares the guy off. The guy is standing in Owen Wilson's pajamas in a neighbor's yard. Doesn't sound like he stole anything else. Maybe they'll let him keep the pajamas. That would have been nice. The new Fast and Furious movie wins the box office. $67.5 million. Hard to imagine something other than a 16-year-old male being in the theater watching that one. I love these magazines and websites that just try to pit one another against one another. You know, they know they know that we go into a work situation and you're trying to kill off today and you run into Bob at the water cooler. He says, hey, did you see that uh, Time Out magazine thing? They ranked the 60 best songs of the 80s. They included alternative pop, hip-hop, the whole thing. No, I didn't. What, what's on the list? Well, number 10 is something called The Message by Grandmaster Flash. David Bowie, Modern Love at number 9. Cloud Busting by Kate Bush at number 8. Express Yourself, Madonna at 7. That's not even Madonna's best song. Borderline is 
probably her best song ever. Fight the Power, Public Enemy, number five, straight out of Compton, NWA. I want to dance with somebody, Whitney Houston. That's not even her best song. Beat it, Michael. Oh, Jesus. Beat it, Michael Jackson at three. Blue Monday, New Order at number two. And number one, the best song out of the 80s, Purple Rain. And now we square off and fight. If you're expecting a sequel to Everything Everywhere All at Once, Michelle Yeoh says, nah, we're not going to do that. Benedict Cumberbatch is going to play Pete Seeger in the Bob Dylan biopic that's going to star Timothy Chalamet. This kid on American Idol. I have not watched American Idol in a couple of years. I was channel surfing last night because the Cardinals played during the day. And I was just like, is there anything on to watch? And I just happened to come across as this kid was performing, having no idea what his previous performances were like, not having any idea what the competition was like, not having any idea who the front runner may or may not be. Like I said, I was clueless, but just happened to pop up on the screen this guy by the name of Ian, I'm sorry, not Ian, E-M, I-A-M. He's, I, I believe he's Samoan. Big guy. He's like 450 pounds. He's got those big Fred Flintstone feet with a big toe that was like the size of my forearm sticking out of his sandals. I'm like, Jesus, this kid is big. And then he starts singing. I'm going to be here for you from now on This you know somehow For you, baby, I'll be a man of my word. Just absolutely effortless. The guy sings like you and I breathe. But again, it's going to be interesting now. He is the new American Idol. He's like almost 500 pounds. How are they going to market that? And when he goes out on tour, they better tell the concert promoters to put some extra stage supports or some cinder blocks on the stage or he's just going to go crashing right through the floor. You think I'm exaggerating? I'm not. Guy's like 450 pounds. But what a singer. What a singer. I like this comedian. He only goes by Richard the Comedian. I've never heard of him before. Richard the Comedian. And all I can say is that I hear what dating is like now. I have some single friends, particularly female single friends. And the stories they tell me, the horror stories, the stuff that guys try to get away with, and how much insincerity, deception. When I was dating, if a girl caught you in even a little white lie, sometimes she would just like change her opinion. He's a liar. I'm not going to deal with that guy. Now you get caught lying about who you are, whether or not you're married, what a true assessment of your situation is. All that stuff is just lies. I don't really blame that percentage of women, you know, because there's a lot of women around there not even looking anymore. They have given up. They've thrown in the towel. They've just had to deal with so much of this crap that they just say, you know what? I don't need a man. And I used to think 
that that was an impractical and sort of an obnoxious position to take. I don't anymore. But uh, here's Richard, the comedian, and I was unaware of this. Apparently, there's a pitfall here that I didn't even know anything about. I hung out with this one girl. We hung out like four times. And on the fourth time, she goes, listen, I think you waited too long to make a move. She goes, I think you missed the window. I was like, can you reopen the window? She goes, no. It doesn't work like that. I told her, I was like, um, I don't think you know how windows work. <laughs> Dude, after that conversation, I had to drive her home. <laughs> what? Like, if you're gonna end something with somebody, you gotta do it at a place where you can both part ways. You know? Don't be like, yeah, I don't think we should see each other anymore. And I'm like, okay, but there's still like a week left on this cruise. (laughs) Pretty funny guy right there. Pretty funny guy. All right, birthdays today. Jennifer Goodwin, an actress who I find absolutely unwatchable. She's so obnoxious. She was on The Big Love. She was, oh, she was in that movie, He's Just Not That Into You. She was in Zootopia. Now she's Snow White on Once Upon a Time. Anyhow, she's uh, 45 today. Naomi Campbell. I think it's safe to say angry supermodel, 53. Ted Kaczynski, the Unabomber who grew up about five miles from me. He lived right down the street from my old high school girlfriend. 81 today. Sticky Fingers, Rolling Stones came out on this date in 71. That was the one with brown sugar, wild horses. Can't you hear me knocking? And it was 31 years ago today, 1992. I think everybody who was alive back then remembers where they were on this date 31 years ago tonight. And his lovable Art Fern. Hello there, feature film freaks. Art Fern here with today's feature film, Woody Harrelson, Woody Allen, Woody Guthrie, Woody Woodpecker, Woody Herman, Herman Monster, and Dumpo the Wonder Pigeon. In Heidi suffers an estrogen avalanche. Two, one, music tape. Just cool, kind of just hearing the music yes. again, hearing the theme yes. song again. Ed McMahon, welcome to St. Louis. How are you doing? Oh, what a great, great introduction. What a package you put together there. That was terrific. You know, Ed, you've uh, really kind of uh, been functioning as the unofficial press secretary for Johnny Carson, especially after the heart episode. Can you tell us uh, from what you know about it, what happened to Johnny? And I guess Johnny really does kind of recognize that you are the guy that kind of tells people how he's doing. Oh, yeah, he knows that and he appreciates that. And he talked to me on my birthday a couple of weeks ago. Told me a great joke. I'd love to tell you, but uh, why put your show off the air? All right. Anyway, uh, he at the end of it, he said, "There's your birthday present." You know, with that same attitude and style of his. But he's feeling great. He's playing tennis again, and he did have quite a scare. And again, thank heavens for his lovely wife, Alex, because a lot of guys, you know, we all think we're so macho, nothing can happen to us. You know, oh, I'll be all right. You know, she wouldn't buy that, and she insisted they go to the hospital. And it was serious. You know, what he thought was just a little pain in the chest. 
it became a, a quadruple bypass operation. So uh, he, you know, he got his uh, comeuppance if she was right. Anyway, he's doing fine. He sounded great. Uh, he's on his boat. He's uh, playing tennis, so he's very happy. Well, you know, there's been a lot of uh, concentration. Uh, every time the anniversary of the final Tonight Show passes by, people talk about that final night. And oh. I know from having talked to you and also talked to people like uh, Freddie de Cordova that it was really the night before the final yes. night when it kind yeah. of registered with everybody. Talk yeah, that was the night. Yeah, t- just talk a little bit about what happened on that night before and also the final night. You had all your families right in the audience. You could actually look out and see them all, couldn't you? Oh, yeah. The, on, on the final night was really a retrospective. That's where we ran some tape pieces. It was just really he and I and Doc. We were the only, there were no other guests there. And uh, in the audience, in the same row, on one side of the row was all his family, and the other side of the row was all my family. And it was great to look out there, you know, and see, hey, this is what we've been doing. And he got into something that uh, always bothered me, and I know it bothered him. And you worry about what your celebrity is causing to your offspring, you know, to the people that you're close to. How does that affect them? And he kind of apologized. If you if remember that night, he said, if I did anything, you know, in my celebrity that caused you embarrassment, I'd like to apologize now. But this is what we do, you know, and that's what it was. And I looked at my family and kind of nodded because I felt the same way, you know, because when they go to school, you know, somebody gets friendly with them because they're the daughter of, you know, or the son of and it's not real so it was the thing that he mentioned and i'm glad he did you know, it's great to hear about johnny it's great to hear ed in that frame of mind because it's my understanding that ed mcmahon died basically homeless and penniless i mean he was flat broke you wonder how stuff like that can happen but you hear about it all the time it was on the state in 2005 the longest yard they did the uh, premiere in st louis and on a sunday morning had everybody from adam sandler to burt reynolds strolling down through u city on their way to the tivoli it was on this date in 1998 the disney people said you know what we're gonna have this new movie mulan and we're gonna bring your whole family like what's the what's the catch? They're like no no, come on down because we know you're going to give us a lot of free publicity. Bring your whole family. So at that time, it was the woman I was married to, my wife, and also my daughter, who was I want to say maybe four or five years old, somewhere right in there. Well, let's see, it was uh, 1998, so she was five, and you want to see the look of wonderment and borderline disbelief. First time she stays in a hotel where there's room service. Honey, are you hungry? Yes. Is there anything that you would like to eat? Here, there's a menu here. Open up the menu. Uh, They have uh, chicken fingers. They have grilled cheese. Oh, grilled cheese. That would be good. Not having any idea where the grilled cheese sandwich is going to come from, by the way. We pick up the phone. Hi. Yeah, send them a grilled cheese and some milk. You want french fries, honey? So like looking at me like, yeah. And there was a knock on the door about 25 minutes later. And when that cheese sandwich showed up, her head pretty much exploded. The idea that you could make a phone call and somebody would deliver a grilled cheese sandwich to your room like a half an hour later. And we talked about the fact that this is the anniversary of 2012 of the Joplin tornado. We have one celebrity birthday here today that can't go without being mentioned. And that is Mark Close. Mark Close turns the big 7-0. You know, sometimes you have regrets about things. One of my regrets is that I did not recognize Mark's talent to do a morning show earlier, or I would have had him on the show years prior to the time we did in, what, 1998. 
He's a funny guy. It was on this date in uh, 1986, Senator John Danforth, who has since nominated Clarence Thomas to the Supreme Court and recommended that Josh Hawley was a candidate worthy of your votes. So you really have to do wonder about his uh, judgmental capabilities. Well, he tried to sick the FCC on us on this date back in 1986 because this was right after we had done the 388 dick names. Can't say dick on the air. So somebody had collected a uh, <laughs> a very long list, which I still have. I still have the original copy. I'll donate it to a museum someday. But like, you know, single serving shrimp soup dispenser, single up the middle. One of my favorites, Kojak, Pork Sword was another one. So we did 388 of those and Danforth found out about it and tried to come after us. My first day, my first day as a full-time professional radio pronouncer was on this date in 1975. It's when I actually turned pro. I had worked at several radio stations while I was still in college, but this was the first job I got out of college where I actually officially started my career at WYFE in Rockford on this date in 1975. And I worked about six or seven days and then had to call the boss and say, I can't come in. He goes, yeah, I just hired you. Go, yeah, I'm in the emergency room at a hospital in suburban Chicago, I'm having appendicitis, and they're taking my appendix out in about three hours. Not a great start to the story. And one of my favorite stories happened on this day back in 1997. So I we move into a new house in Brentwood, and I call up the cable company, as we would do in 1997, and uh, I would like cable installed in my house. You call up at that time TCI Cable. TCI standing for Terrible Choice Indeed. And it is the Friday before the Memorial Day holiday, and it's about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And I get this kid who's like 22 years old, going to install the cable, but he uh, proceeds to tell me very early on in the conversation that his friends are waiting for him down the Lake of the Ozarks, and he really wants to wrap this up and get out. I'm like, oh, Jesus, here we go. But he's 22, totally understanding. He's got visions of, you know, 19-year-old girls uh, running around in thongs, dancing on boats, the Bud Light just flowing. I understand that. So I told him, I said, tell you what, tell you what, because I had sort of an elaborate setup with a bunch of TVs and stuff. I said, all right, tell you what, just get the cable from the pole to the house and then show me where it comes out of the wall. I'll take it from there because I had a splitter where it was splitting the signal into two different TVs, all this sort of stuff. I can do that. I got coax. I got the connectors. I've got the little uh, splitter. Just just have get the cable so that I got something coming out of the wall, and then you can go ahead and take off. Oh, great. Gave him a tip and everything. He gets in the truck. Boy, is he gone. Like, okay, I can set this up. And I get the splitter, which is a metal, tiny little, not even a box. It's just a tiny little, as my mother would say, doohickey. And uh, and I went, I, I took the coax, and the coax has that little pin, you know, coming out of the middle of it. And as I touch the cable to the little splitter, pow, an explosion, a flash of light, and smoke. And I looked down, and the plating, the metal plating on the splitter has been burned off. So now it's already after hours. It's like, I don't know, 4.30 or 5. And it's the Memorial Day holiday, and it dawns on me, I'm not going to have television for the entire weekend. I'm sure the cable installer had TV down at the lake, but not me. So 
the holiday's over. I call on Tuesday morning. I explain the situation. They're like, sir, that's impossible. There's no electrical current that goes through the cable. There's no way that could happen. I go, you want to bet? Maybe that's not the way it's supposed to work. But I'm telling you, you get over here, you send somebody over here, and you're going to see it for yourself. And sure enough, it took like another two days. And the TCI guy shows up, different. He didn't send the kid this time. Sent another guy. And he looks at it and goes, wow. Because he sees that the metal plating has been burned right off the little splitter. So somehow this kid tapped into an electrical line somehow. I could have been killed, but I'll tell you what, there's even a better story than that, and it happened right around the corner from my ex-mother-in-law and ex-father-in-law's place in Ladue. This guy's got like a $3 million home, and he is living in an apartment or a different house or something like that, and all he had in this brand new home, $3 million home in Ladue, all he had was a couple of couches, and he said, what I did... Let's call the cable company and get that taken care of ahead of time so that when I do move in, the cable is already installed. So sure enough, they send the cable installer and he drills through a wall. He he drills through a wall in a utility room and all of a sudden he smells smoke. And then somebody else who was in the house, I mean, I think they still had a couple of workers hanging around, yells, fire! The cable installer didn't bother to check what was on the other side of the wall he was drilling into, which in this particular case was the electrical box. He drilled. <laughs> House burned to the ground, burned to the foundation. I'm guessing it cost TCI at least $3 million. And the big story coming out of New York today is they had an earthquake. It was only a 2.2 magnitude earthquake hit Westchester County in New York. The tremors were so powerful, Bill Clinton was actually knocked on top of Hillary. And with that, the J.C. Corcoran podcast for Monday, May 22nd, 2023 is in the can. We're here with the podcast every weekday at 11 that follows the radio show at 101.7 West, 101.5 in St. Louis, Rock and Americana, every morning from 5.30 until 10. Boy, I'm a busy boy. Hope you are, too. Have a great day. Talk to you tomorrow. In the meantime, we've beaten this one to death. Have a good one. See you later. Bye. The J.C. Corcoran Podcast.